This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. I watched a lot of football this weekend. More football than I've watched in quite some time. And let me we're going to get into this a little later, hopefully. But there were some great games. And I enjoyed... I, I slept during a little bit of the Bills game last night just because I wanted to kind of force myself to try and get a little bit of a nap before trying to bring you four hours of radio excellence. But other than that, I think I saw just about every minute of every game. And they were some great games. We'll talk about it later. But you see a lot of these football players, they have eye black on. And a lot of times, you're familiar with eye black? I used to wear eye black when I was playing baseball regularly. And, and you know, when I was really young and you couldn't really afford um eye black from like a sporting goods store or something, you would do your own eye black. You, you, what we would do, and I'm sure you can relate if you were in a similar boat, is you'd get a cork, a cork from an old wine bottle or something, and you would burn one end of the cork and you would you would put the burnt cork under your eye and that was eye black. That was it. Not only did it really do a fair job keeping the sun out of your eyes, but it looked cool. You, you, it was kind of your version of war paint. And you, um, you, you felt like a little bit of a pro, you know, uh, putting eye black on just like the, the big players do. In any event, you see a lot of these football players, they don't just wear a little bit of eye black underneath their eyes. A lot of them have it on a big chunk of their face. And there's even designs of what they call this kind of warrior paint. So, there's a 13-year-old boy who we know only as J.A. He's not being identified for privacy reasons. But the parents of this California middle schooler are not happy. You see... This middle schooler was trying to emulate, he's uh, he's white, this 13-year-old boy. He was trying to emulate some of his favorite football players with eye paint. And he got suspended by his school. Because they said he was wearing blackface. Uh, the father 
Daniel Amaduri said of his 13-year-old son, the only people showing absolute racism right now is the school administrators. There wasn't even a real investigation. So this young football fan said that no one said anything at the October 13th game when he covered his cheeks and chin and he claimed a black security guard, this is, you know, the 13-year-old kid's perspective, but he claimed the black security guard even encouraged him to put on more. J.A. said everything was normal. No one said anything. It was a normal football game. So he put on the eye pain himself, as he had done many times before. And you see, he's got nothing on his forehead, but kind of from his eyes down, his face is covered in this, you know, black eye paint. So a week after the game, the principal at Muirland's Middle School calls him and his parents into meet. And he calls to tell them that J.A. is being suspended for two days and barred from attending any future athletic events. A disciplinary notice said J.A. painted his face black at a football game and characterized the incident as an offensive comment that was intent to harm the principal, Jeff Luna, reportedly said it was offensive because Morse High School, one of the schools whose team was playing, is largely black. An attorney representing the family here, Karen Swaggart, Swigert, argued in a lawsuit that she's filed. See, I hate that it always gets to the point of lawsuits, but I guess this is what happens when you have so many lawyers floating around. But the lawyer is arguing that J.A. was simply emulating eye-black warrior paint that's often used by athletes during a game. And so for them to take this innocent activity of just, you know, going to a football game and cheering for the other team and out of nowhere with no evidence say that this was a hate crime is, this is the lawyer speaking to CBS 8, a ridiculous leap in logic. I agree. So lawyers representing the family have previously argued that J.A.'s appearance emulated the style of eye black worn by many athletes. Noting such use of eye black began as a way to reduce glare during games, but long ago it evolved into miniature billboards for personal messages and war paint slatherings. That is a big difference. This is what the family is saying, and I agree with them. That is a big difference from blackface, which is dark makeup worn to mimic the appearance of a black person, especially to mock or ridicule them. And there is a big difference. You know, I've seen performers wear blackface. I mean, not in person, but, you know, in movies. You know, there's a Bing Crosby film where he wears blackface. It's uh, Holiday Inn. And there's they do a number where they're wearing blackface. Eddie Cantor, I believe, did some films with uh, wearing blackface. And I think Al Jolson maybe even ha- might have done that. Don't quote me on that one. 
But this new lawsuit, and again, I, I just I hate that we're in such a litigious world and society that it always goes to a lawsuit. But this new lawsuit argues that the San Diego Unified School District is violating J.A.'s First Amendment right to free speech and failed to provide the student with due process. I think they're right. I think they're right. I think this school rushed to look like they were taking action so that nobody could say the school was racist. And the suit, the lawsuit, is seeking to get the suspension removed from the boys' school record. So the Center for American Liberty, which I think is kind of a libertarian legal activist group, is arguing it could impact his ability to gain acceptance to figure uh, high schools, um, future high schools, colleges, and certain occupations. So they say on their website, the Center for American Liberty, that J.A.'s future is on the line. So I think it's terrible. I don't think this young man was intending to be racist at all. I think it's ridiculous that he was suspended. I think the school ought to lift the suspension on their own without needing to go through this lawsuit and having a judgment that says that. And apologize. Because there's no indication that this young man was mocking any black people. There's no indication that he said anything offensive. There's no indication that he has any history of being racially insensitive at all or that the parents do. If this was part of a pattern where, okay, he's uh, wearing blackface to school and he's hosting a bunch of his friends to see uh, to a screening of Birth of a Nation. And then he's, um, you know, flying the Confederate, you know, he's got a Confederate flag sticker on his locker. Then, you know, I would say, okay, come on, this is a a kid that, that this is part of a pattern of racism. It's not present here. I think... Again, by this school and this principal jumping to the conclusion that he was trying to wear blackface, I think that's a much more racist conclusion. What do you think? 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Here's a comment from the father. I believe this is on Fox and Friends. Yeah, I was shocked. You know, there was no incident that night. And, um, you, you know, you can imagine in today's world, there's iPhones, there's thousands of people or over a thousand. Um, the actual, the other school is predominantly black. I mean, and, and nothing was said that night. There was no incident. He's an eighth grader, by the way, a small eighth grader. These are, it's a high school football game. There's staff there, there's teachers, there's police, security, nothing. Um, and then the following Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, nothing. Wednesday night, the, or Wednesday afternoon, the principal called Joseph, or J.A., into the um, um, office. And then the next morning, um, my wife and I showed up, and he said he did blackface, and he was suspended for two days, and he was going to be banned from sports. And that was when I showed the principal the picture from that night. And he, I thought that was going to end this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, no, that's blackface. Can you imagine? This is absurd. Absolutely absurd. Uh, here's more of the father. I believe this is uh, courtesy of Fox and Friends. I was so convinced that it was going to vindicate him, that picture. Mm-hmm. I wasn't actually at the game with him. So when I saw that picture, I was so relieved. I was like, mm-hmm. wait a minute. This is explainable. And I thought when I showed the principal that, 
that that would clear the whole thing up, but it didn't. And it only got worse even after I pilled it. Yeah. Um, it, it, it didn't fix it. And I just couldn't believe it because anybody who's ever been to a sports game knows that this is very normal. And these are kids that were playing hide and seek a few days prior at my house, boogie boarding. Um, you know, half of the group is my is our minorities. Some of them African American. It's it's just ridiculous that that that, that this would be a, a racial incident that yeah. night. I think this is absolutely crazy, absolutely crazy. You know what it reminds me a little bit is of that case of uh, Nicholas Sandman. I think that was the uh, young man's name who was accused of uh, mocking American Indians at the Capitol when he wasn't. He was just. He was just standing there and he, he got he got paid a lot by the media organizations that portrayed his appearance at the Lincoln Memorial as being something that it wasn't. I kind of think the school is doing the same thing here. 800-848-9222-800-848-9222. Diana in Manhattan has been patiently holding. What's on your mind, Diana? Hi. Well, as usual, I love your show and I Thank have two you. comments. First of all, get a new pediatrician. Trust me on this. Okay. And second, uh, regarding cryogenically frozen people, there's an interesting movie, television movie from 1974 called Live Again, Die Again. You can access it on the Walter Pidgeon website. He's in it. Donna Mills is in it. Geraldine Page is in it. It's about a woman who's frozen in 1940. She has a very rich husband. She's a beautiful young woman. She has a heart condition. She's frozen in 1940, revived in 1974 when the film was made. And uh, the opening credits and the beginning of the movie are fascinating because they show how they would revive someone. They use microwave technology. And uh, her befuddlement at riding through Los Angeles of 1974 when she left it in 1940. And the rest of the movie isn't very good. But the opening credits and the beginning of the movie are fascinating. Really? I'll check it out. I love Walter Pidgeon. I'm a fan of his. So I will uh, absolutely, uh, I'll, I'll definitely put it on my list. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. 800-848-9222 if you want to be heard. Uh, Gnome Laden coming up in uh, just a few minutes. Hey, if you want to email me, you can certainly uh, do so at frank.morano at redappleaudionetworks.com. That's frank.morano at uh, redappleaudionetworks.com. Jimmy, what do you think about this? Frankie, let this boy live his little life. What would they have done to me when I ran around the neighborhood screaming with the uh, the hat on, you know, like the Indians with the feathers and going, woo, 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 shooting guns, playing cowboys? I mean, what are they doing? The word racism has lost its meaning. It's just like a verb, you know? Oh, hi, don't racist me. Don't ra let the children live their normal life. If they're not being attacked or being mutilated by these sex-crazed lunatics, they got to be bothered go to a game and enjoy their life, and he's got to be scarred. I mean, it's really, I'm getting disgusted with everything, Frankie, and, and I've met you several times, and you're a fine, fair man, but my goodness, where is America going? What kind of deeds do we have that are looking at little children? Let them live. And as far as Carmine, I would have taken that doctor and I would have hung him from a tree because you hit this kid. God only knows what she's got to go through. And you, these Graziata, these Adorada, walked away like you thought who you were.
That's how I feel. So definitely get a, get a new pediatrician then. Absolutely. One thousand. He, he's not a pediatrician. He's a murderer in my sense. Attempted murder. That kid could have died and he would have what? Took the next patient. Come on, Frankie. That's all right, right. All right. Well, I, clearly there's a, a consensus here. Thanks, Jimmy. Although Tony, much like he defended Gen Z, he defended the actions of the doctor. So you never know. Tony, you know, sometimes the world zigs. Tony's eggs. 800-848-9222. Steve is in Long Beach. Hello, Steve. Good morning. Uh, my thoughts on the uh, blackface thing was, and I read uh, or heard of a similar situation, what needs to happen is injustice is done here. What what should happen is all the people on the team, all the parents, pull their kids out of it, walk away from the sport, until and, and bring attention to the principal or whoever is taking law into their own hands because it's just it's getting too far. You know what I'd love to know, Steve. Out of hand. I'd love to know how it went from at the game itself, nobody complained. To a few days later, the principal is suspending him for multiple days and giving him a disciplinary letter. So someone must have said something to the principal or to a school administrator to, you know, to kind of get this ball rolling. I'm just curious what happened to take what was a totally innocuous event and turn it into not quite a federal case, but a state case. Frank, can I bring something up? Sure, be my guest. Okay. Um, I'm white. Uh, most of my friends Nobody's are... Nobody's perfect. Uh, you, you, you name uh, race, sexual orientation, whatever. One thing that I, that I tell my black friends, one of the most offensive things that people are doing is when they look at a black person and they say, you know, quote unquote, the N word, instead of saying, you know, spell it out. You're looking at somebody and you're judging them as a color. So I can't do this because you're that, or I can do this because you're that. The thing is that word, if you look it up in an old dictionary, I don't know what it is anymore. It only means a lowly person. It has nothing to do with color. You know, the people are, are, are claiming to be offended because something is said that has maybe only the old, it might mean something in their head. This is like a mental illness that's just become a, a plague. Um, and I think as far as all these things coming up, these things happening, and that's a while, it's because people have too much time. They're thinking. They're looking for a problem. They're looking for trouble. And but then Steve, when they get it, Steve, it's a big deal. I, I, no, I, I can understand what, what you're saying if uh, there was a discussion of the N-word here. But as far as we could tell, n- not as far as we could tell, nobody used the N-word. Not the kid, right, not any right. of the other fans, not, not any of the players, not his family. So why would this boy, this teenager, be suspended when, you know, I understand the etymology of the N-word and where it's coming right. from, and it wasn't always intended to be an insult. In this day and age, I think it's pretty clear, though, that it is an insult. If he was using the N-word, I would say, okay, that's an indication that he's being racist. He wasn't doing anything. He did nothing wrong, this kid. Right, absolutely. Uh, it's too much political correctness. And the other thing is what I do is uh, I, don't, I, I like to clown around. So if you have a group of people, I don't care what they are, you know, a mixed group of people, and you go over and they're talking, all you got to do is say this, you people, and you got to hear how many people are insulted, where it's not directed at anybody, it's not meant as anything, but people are looking for a problem. And they see that when you say, well, you people, what do you mean, you people? I get it all the time, and then I laugh, and then, then they realize 
what I did, and 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 I'm not saying anything bad about them. All I said was you people, and 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 automatically they're insulted. Um, also, too, if you remember Ann Landers, one of those advice columnists, sure. and what what she said was, and I, I really believe this. She said, if somebody says something bad about you, and it offends you, it's because you know it's true. Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard that from a lot of people in general. You know, thanks, Steve, for the call. I think that can be true a lot of the time. But, you know, sometimes you could be offended just because someone is trying to be mean to you, right? Let's say somebody calls you, uh, let's say you're a Sikh, right? And uh, somebody calls you uh, a dumb Muslim, right? You could still be offended by that even though you're not a Muslim. But the person that was hurling that invective at you they did it to be mean-spirited. So I, I think in at times what you're saying is accurate, but at other times you could just be upset that someone is insulting you even if what they're saying is inaccurate, right? All right, 800-848-9222. Noam Layden is here, but first let me say hello to uh, Eddie in Babylon. Hi, Eddie. Oh, great. Thanks, Frank. Um, not only Eddie, but from Babylon, I'm a nuclear medicine technologist that worked at Stony Brook. We had a doctor, Dr. Rayo. He was chairman of, um, you know, the urology department. Really, really nice guy. Everybody loved him. Well, he murdered his wife and, uh, he went to a conference in Atlantic city. He was down there. He came back in the middle of the night under darkness of night, murdered his wife, went back to the conference. Like he was there the whole time came back and reported the murder. He came home and his wife was murdered, shot. And everyone felt so bad for him. And it turned out that, you know, they looked at toll records and everything and he had, he'd come home, murdered his wife, but he was a fantastic physician. He, uh, he had, uh, yeah, I think that's more of a judgment error as a criminal. Uh, maybe this physician of Carmine's uh, I had a judgment error because you get the two different testimonies, one from the lawyer right. and right. one from the physician, which don't correspond. So, I mean, if he's a great doctor, you get along with him and you feel he's very attentive to Carmine, you know, that's that's maybe a, a partition in his life. He does very well as a physician, but when confronted with um, some emergency, that's maybe why he wasn't an emergency room physician. He confronted with the emergency like that. He just, he had so much stress on him that, you know, he just kind of freaked out. Who knows? You know, interesting. Like, oh. Interesting. Eddie, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate thank, the perspective. Thank you for taking the call. Frank. And the call. Absolutely. Noam Layden joins us in a moment. We'll continue and bring you more news straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. I see. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano.
after the hour, nobody I would rather start my work week with than the man I'm sitting across from. Uh, not only very handsome, but someone who is very well informed when it comes to all things news. Stand by for the other side of Midnight's News. Side of Midnight and its affiliated stations present national and international news with Frank Morano and news director Noam Layden. Their summary of the world news and personal comments. Get the rest of the story. Hello, now. Good morning, Frank. It's not too often anymore that you have collective moments on television that make an imprint or change things. It used to be sort of more commonplace when we were all watching the same TV shows, but we don't anymore. Right. Right. We had Seinfeld moments, Sopranos moments. Exactly. Moments, people, you know, 800 million people watching MASH at the same time for the final episode. That's all gone. But here we have this show in the UK that mm. is changing minds. It's the British uh, miniseries. It's called Mr. Bates versus the Post Office. It's a show based on what's called the biggest legal travesty in UK history. It goes back to these UK postal employees who were wrongly uh, prosecuted for crimes they did not commit. They were accused of fraud and stealing money from the post office. And it ends up, it all goes back to just a shoddy piece of software that they were using that they had bought from a Japanese company. But this TV show has brought this entire story to light. And so many postal workers, over 900 innocent post office branch managers. 900? Yes. Wrongly convicted of theft, false accounting, and fraud between 1999 in 2015. Some of them ended up in jail. Some of them were so beside themselves because in their minds they said, I have done nothing wrong. I did not steal from the post office. I made no mistake. Some of them committed suicide. And so this miniseries is bringing this story to light to the UK, a story that many Brits did not know about. And so they've called on the government to do what's right. Uh, 93 of the convictions have been overturned, but they're still some that have not. Uh, others people who, you know, died after this. I mean, essentially not penniless, but had lost these career jobs. Just like in the U.S., the Postal Service gig, once you get one, it's yours until right. retirement mm-hmm. and it has a good pension. Uh, but some of these people lost all of that. And again, it ended up after they had done this investigation, it was just a shoddy piece of software that was uh, showing that people were stealing or involved in fraud. None of it was accurate. Wow. What Now, what's done to uh, kind of compensate all these people that were wrongfully terminated or convicted or in a couple of these cases sent to prison? So, so far, nothing. Mm. But the prime minister watching this TV series, uh, Rishi Sunak, like the rest of the country, and uh, now he's calling for some sort of compensation. And uh, what he wants is if the parliament passes this measure that he wants them to do, every falsely convicted employee, all 900 of them, would le- would get at least $765,000 oh, as back okay. payment for right. everything that they've gone through. But again, some of these people, not alive. Some of them committed suicide oh, because they were awful. so uh, distraught about the accusations that had been thrown their way. All going back essentially to this TV miniseries that got people just crazed about this story. We had known about the story, but not in the way this miniseries had told it over the last couple weeks. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Absolutely. You don't have those moments too often anymore. No.
In North Carolina, you have a bunch of these teachers in the Charlotte-Mecklenburg School District. They get their paychecks a couple weeks ago, and in those paychecks is an extra $1,250. Very nice. That's a lot of money. Absolutely. The average pay in the Mecklenburg-Charlotte School District, $47,000 a year. So $1,250 extra in your paycheck in January. No joke. You're high-fiving all the people around you. These teachers thought it was a bonus. They were led to believe that because it was described that way, that it was a bonus. But it seems it was not. The school district had offered a bonus to a number of teachers to come and work in the school district. Like so many districts across the country, there's not enough people teaching anymore. But the bonus was only meant for a handful of teachers. It went to 225 teachers. So what do they do? So there are lots of people in this school district who say, you know what? There's so many taxpayer dollars wasted on all kinds of things in this school district or across the county. I'm okay with giving these teachers a bonus because they work so hard. And for that matter, give it to the rest of the teachers as well. School district says, no, we can't afford it. So now they're going to either take this bonus all back at once. And some teachers say, hey, I can't afford to do that. Right, exactly. Or they're going to work out a payment plan that it will come out of their paychecks until they've paid back all $1,250. So they don't get to keep it, except for those couple of teachers who it was promised to, to come to the school district. They were offered this bonus, and that was part of their deal, and they're going to get to keep it. Awful. That is awful. I yeah. feel terrible for those teachers. Uh, it is so much money to live in New York City. The mm. A, a one-bedroom here in Manhattan, it starts at well over a million dollars. So what if you could do your job... And live somewhere else. We kind of started to do that during COVID, but so many corporations, big banks, uh, they said, I'll pay you New York City money, but you have to come back to New York. And so a lot of those people came back and they're here. But there's so many places across the country that need you to move there. So if you are lucky enough to have a remote job, and there are a fair amount of people who still do post-COVID, they work from home. And uh, if you want to, the Mountain State, West Virginia, wild and wonderful West Virginia, was a beautiful state, by the way, if you've never been there before. I mean, gorgeous. And there are towns there that desperately need people, and and they want you to come with your high-paying salary remote job and live there. So uh, there are a number of towns in West Virginia that'll pay you $12,000 to come live there, a relocation bonus if you buy a house. Now, in some small towns uh, in West Virginia, the average price for a house is about $157,000. So imagine taking your New York, your L.A., your Chicago, your Boston salary— and being able to go to a place where the average price of a house is $157,000, wow. you could live in a mansion. No doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, they're not the only place. The um, A short drive both from the Ozarks and Oklahoma City, there are some towns that desperately need you to move there as well. They're offering $10,000 relocation bonuses to move to these towns. This is all of over the last couple of weeks. And I looked in Zillow. The average house uh, in this one town in Oklahoma, which is right outside the Ozarks, is $196,000 a year wow. again. So imagine... You, you're in this dumpy little one bedroom in Brooklyn or, you know, in Boston somewhere, and now you can live in a huge house. Uh, Kentucky, the same thing. They're offering $7,000. Uh, Northern Indiana, where the average home price is $227,000. They'll give you $5,000 of relocation fees to move to these towns. You have to come with that remote job. That's part of the process here. Is there a... Um Time period that a minimum amount of time that you have to commit to living 
in these places from what you can tell? You know, it's interesting. No. So you just have to buy a house. That's they, the... Well, the thought is, is you will fall in love with these places. These are all really nice places, but they're kind of small towns mm-hmm. where people have fled to the big cities for better jobs uh, or jobs have dried up. And they now say, okay, hey, let's cash in on this whole remote idea. We need to up the tax base in these towns. Hey, come here and we'll really make you welcome. Most of these places, by the way, look, school systems are pretty good. Not all of them. Ozarks. School system's not so great. Okay. But no. if you're taking your New York salary and you're moving there, you send your kid to private school. Well, right, yeah. Uh, well, that's interesting. Would you ever relocate to one of these uh, smaller towns for that kind of money? You know, none of these are warm ones, I uh, noticed. But if they were a warm town, uh, I might think about that, sure. Right. Well, that, that is interesting, Noam. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. And now you know the rest of the story. 20 minutes until the top of the hour. By the way, you know who's going to be here tomorrow? Uh, Judge Andrew Napolitano. Very much looking forward to that conversation. There's a whole bunch of legal issues that I want to ask him about and a bunch of other things. Now, um, big football weekend, as I alluded to. Now, if you have not been following the show, I have been on a hot streaks hot streak. So I won my football pool that I'm in for the season also won multiple times during the you know regular season and this is 25 people in this football pool maybe more then first week of playoffs was a little less it's 19 or 20 i win the first week of playoffs so i become convinced that i've got the the hot hand right so not only do i decide to make my picks and i shared them with you but i said let me put down a couple of bucks on a couple of these games that I'm feeling very certain about. See, that's the danger of having these apps, these sports betting apps on your phone. And um, because you could see how easy it is to bet. You know, when you're at a casino, you got to get cash. You got to go to the ticket window, place your bet. Then you got to go cash your voucher in. This you all do from your couch. You can easily understand why all these young people are becoming problem gamblers. I'm sure not just young people, but older folks as well. So my picks, and I never do this, but there were four games this weekend, and I watched them all. They were all great games. My picks were, um, with the points, uh, the Baltimore Ravens, the San Francisco 49ers, the Detroit Lions, and the Buffalo Bills. All four of them were the favorites. I never do that. I always like to include a lot of, uh, some underdogs, but... You know, the our audience in Baltimore, WCBM, great, great listeners. Our audience up in Buffalo, great folks. Our audience up in um, in Detroit, AM 910, the Superstation, great folks. And honestly, the 49ers were the team that I rooted for primarily as uh, as a child. So I still have kind of a soft spot in my heart for the 49ers, and I'm very impressed with Brock Purdy. And, you know, I, I like a lot of what they're they're doing. So I said, "All right, let me let me bet on the Ravens." And I put a I was I was certain Ravens were going to win. So let me let me put a decent amount of money on the Ravens. If I win, you know, not only will I use the money to pay some bills, but I'm going to because remember, that game was on Saturday and they raised the price of the postage stamp 2 cents yesterday on Sunday. I said, "After my bills are paid, whatever else I win from that Ravens game, I'm using to buy postage stamps because I wanted to stay ahead of the price increase. So sure enough, 
I, I was certain the Ravens were going to win. Certain. Because they're, they're, the team is great. They're an unbelievable team. They got uh, Lamar Jackson. Man doesn't lose games. So I'm watching this game. And they're playing the, the Houston Texans. And the game is surprisingly close. And I'm nervous because the Ravens are favored by nine and a half points. I need the Ravens not just to win. I need them to win by more than nine and a half points. So I, it's the half, it's halftime, and the game's tied, which means for betting purposes, I'm down nine and a half points. And so I am flipping out. And then, um, sure enough, the second half of that game comes around, and that, it was all Baltimore for the entire second half. Houston didn't score a single point in the second half, and whew, dodged a bullet there. Ravens won. I went, bought a whole bunch of postage stamps. Very relieved. And then I also, I also put a couple of bucks on the um, on the 49ers. They were playing the Packers again. Uh, that was a very close game, a very competitive game, and um, ultimately the 49ers ended up winning. But they only won by three points. And I bet them being favored by nine. So I ended up losing that one, but I, I still made it back with the with the Ravens. So I was one for two on Saturday. I didn't bet any of the games on Sunday because I'm starting to think, you know, if I start betting all these games, then maybe I'll have a little bit of a problem. But I'm still in the football pool. But once I lost the one game with the 49ers, then even if I got both of Sunday's games right, there was no way that I was going to be able to win the football pool because there were other players that would have had all four games predicted properly or all four games predicted correctly. So the Lions are uh, the Lions are playing, and they, they're playing Tampa Bay. Obviously, I took the Lions. One, they've got a great Cinderella story. Again, they hadn't won a playoff game since uh, George H.W. Bush was president. I don't think they've ever won a Super Bowl. It's one of the longest franchises in history to never win a Super Bowl. So it's really, it's kind of, you know, even though they were favored in the game against Tampa Bay, they're kind of the underdog Cinderella story of the playoffs. So I, I was supporting the Lions. I recommended the Lions, but I didn't bet any money. Lions win. So had I bet on the Lions, I would have won. But uh, then uh, the game that was just incredibly exciting, and this is when I took a little bit of a nap in the um, third quarter, but then I watched the fourth quarter, and it was absolutely riveting. One of the best playoff games I can remember seeing in quite some time was this incredible game last night between the Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. And the, the game between the Ravens and the Texans it was marred by all sorts of penalties. Every other play, there was a penalty. and That's not what you want to see. You want to see people play. This Chiefs-Bills game was incredible. Two teams that know how to play uh, offense, know how to play defense. Taylor Swift was there, of course, you know, that I'm sure drove the TV ratings up. And it looked like Buffalo was poised to win. They were trailing. And it looks like they had this incredible drive in the fourth quarter. And then it looks like they're not going to score a touchdown. But uh, no big deal. They're within field goal range. And they go with a couple of minutes left for the field goal to tie it. Okay, they tie it. We'll see if they tie it. And then maybe they win in overtime. And the Bills kicker misses the field goal. Wide right. 
Two words that, if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, bring back that uh, nightmare of the Super Bowl that they lost to the uh, Giants. And the Chiefs won, but it was really an exciting game. So, for anybody that went with my recommendations, you won two and you lost two. So, if that, that means if you put an equal amount of money on each game, you probably didn't win any money. So, sorry. Uh, but, you know, even, um, even Jimmy the Greek didn't call them all correct. Although, I was reminded, you know, somebody wrote to me, I think it was Jeff Schilling, a former listener of the week, that when you buy the postage stamps online, they do charge you a service fee of $2 or something. And I think they may even charge you a shipping fee. So even though I bought a whole bunch of these, um, you know, a whole bunch of these postage stamps, I think because of the shipping fee and the service fee that any savings that I would have had might have been eviscerated because of the shipping fee and the service fee. But I'm glad I have all these stamps now. I'm glad about I bought them at 66 cents because today if you go out and buy a forever stamp, it is 48 cents. So there's there, there's there's that. All right. Um, Tony, did you watch the games this weekend? Yes, I did. What were your impressions? Wait, I'm, I'm sorry. Say that again. What were your impressions? Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. Hold on. You were breaking up. Say that again. Well, what did you think? What were your impressions? Um, I, I was surprised about the, the Green Bay-San Francisco game when when, when, they, when he missed that field goal. I was like, wow. Um, everything else, I kind of figured, I knew that was going to happen. I, I knew um, Detroit was going to win. Um, Houston couldn't beat Baltimore because um, it was too cold. Um, Kansas City and Buffalo, that was just a toss-up. But um, Kansas City won. Yes, they did. Yeah, you know, and um, that, that 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 missed field goal brought back memories from 1991. Scott Norwood. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Hey, did you ever see the movie uh, Buffalo '66? No. Okay, it's really good. I think it's a. Uh, it might even be a. Um, might even be an Oliver Stone film. It's Ben Gazzara is in it. Christina Ricci is in it. They're both great. Rosanna Arquette is in it, and one of the. It's kind of a. Um, it's a comedy crime drama. Angelica Houston is in it. She's great. And one of the... Oh, no, it was not uh, an Oliver Stone film. It's uh, Vincent Gallo. Vincent Gallo directed it. And one of the central themes in that film is basically a continuation of that that incident with, that you just referenced with Scott Norwood. So it's kind of cool how they incorporated that plot into this film many years later. I want to give anything away because it's still worth seeing. I really enjoyed it. All right. So that's it. Uh, so I'm sorry I didn't win you any money if you went with my picks. And um, I'm not sure. I'm not ready to make my picks for next week yet. There's only two games. Both should be good games. I'm looking forward to them. But uh, I will, I will. as we get a little closer, I will make my picks for next week. All right. Uh, we're going to do 15 seconds of fame shortly. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. And we'll give you an opportunity to comment on anything you like for 15 seconds straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano.
Uh, the late, great Andy B. Uh, let me, before we end the pop cultural aspect of uh, the program, let me just mention something that I found out over the weekend. You know the television show Better Call Saul? Th- this is one of the best television programs of all time. It was a half a prequel and half a sequel to Breaking Bad, which was one of the greatest television shows of all time. And my wife actually likes Better Call Saul better than uh, Breaking Bad. And I can understand why. I'm not going to take a position on that. It's an incredible program. But with the recent Emmys that we covered last week, Better Call Saul set a record for being the most snubbed show in Emmy history, nabbing 53 nominations but zero awards over its six seasons. Can you imagine? I would think they would throw them a bone for something in their last season. Nothing. They're 0 for 53. I mean, I would think that's a pretty rare occurrence. No, I don't have to think. It is a rare occurrence. We've never seen anything like that. So that's something. Oh, what was also interesting, and this is the last football thing I'll mention, Cam McCormick is a college athlete, but he's almost a professional college athlete. What do I mean by that? He's a tight end who was going to play in a record ninth season of college football at the University of Miami after being sidelined numerous times with injuries in just two more years. He'll he'll be up for tenure. Imagine that. Nine seasons of college football. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. All right. Uh, if you've ever dreamt of being heard on the radio, now is your time. 800-848-9222. It's time for... The Other Side of Midnight. This is 15 Seconds of Fame. Neil! Hey, Frank, for a new car, which is smarter? President Biden now or President Biden frozen? Mike! Morning, Frank. Changing Carmine's pediatrician may prove difficult. You might have to send Dr. Van Ostrom from the clinic to retrieve his file. And if word gets out, you might have to find a doctor in the Midwest or Europe. And a file will surely follow. Nick. Let's go, Curtis. Let's Frankie. Yeah, um, the hawk is biting means it's so cold out. It's not the hawk is talking. Tell the idiot Curtis that when we start plucking out the despicable, he's going to be one of them. Rusty. Yeah, question. Why do you keep calling these people uh, migrants instead of uh, illegal aliens? Why? You're told to? Yeah, Yeah. no, I'm told to, Rusty. Yeah, you ought to know. Rocco. Wide right, wide right, wide right. The Giants win the Super Bowl. The Giants win the Super Bowl. Retro, wide right, wide right. Buffalo loses again. Wide right. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Alex. Uh, no labels, political party. No labels.org. N O L A B E L S.org. All right, and it's going to be very interesting to see what they do here. Even this uh, Dean Phillips, who's running against Biden, says if he's not the nominee and, uh, you know, he loses in the Democratic primary, he would consider running as the no-labels candidate. That's very interesting to me. And uh, let me end with Louie. Hello, Louie. 
Sizzamoron, Sizzamoron, Sizzamoron. All right, thank goodness we got that guy in there. All right, thank you, Louie. All right, uh, that slams the lid on things for today. Back tomorrow with uh, Judge Andrew Napolitano. Also, uh, we're going to have a uh, very interesting person, Michelle DeMarco, wrote a very interesting uh, column in The Hill about what's going on in college campuses. Dr. Richard Sakwa will join us from the UK, and obviously we'll go through the mail. Any letters you send, we'll read them on the air. If you want to get something read on the air, just email me and we'll read it tomorrow. Frank.Morano at RedAppleAudioNetworks.com. That's Frank.Morano at RedAppleAudioNetworks.com. Until tomorrow, God willing, Frank Morano. Good day. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.